1: and like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to The Dash. This is Don Wright of and Peter Mingles is here. He's right here. And we have a fabulous author and speaker as our guest tonight, Ms. Linda Ballesteros. Welcome, Linda.
2: Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you allowing me to be on the show.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's so much fun. We were just talking about how much fun we have mm-hmm. doing this, and, uh, you know, it's it's a wonderful thing when you can actually do what you love um, and, and actually make a living out of it, and so many people, <clears throat> you know, they come to listen to The Dash for that very reason, you know. They want to do what we do. They want to work from home. They want to own their lives. They want to go ahead and, and, you know, it doesn't matter if you have to work ten times harder or five more hours additionally a day. If you get to do it in your pajamas with your fuzzy slippers looking out your window, um, it's a totally different story than going to make somebody else wealthy in their office space, you know. And, um, you know, we we all live very blessed lives for that reason. And, <clears throat> Linda, I know that you're, um, you're all about being a... Uh, a home business entrepreneur, correct? I mean, you're a networker. Your book is called Your Pot of Gold is a Handshake Away, a Mm Step-by-Step Plan to Quickly Grow Your Business Through Referrals. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Linda?
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks. (laughs) You know, I haven't always been an entrepreneur. As a matter of fact, Uh, I was in banking for 30-plus years, and that's as corporate as you get. And, it, 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 the last year, which would have been about 2004, I found myself, every time I put the security badge around my neck, it was getting heavier and heavier <laughs> every day before I went to work. And so I I went in one day and told my boss I just could not do it any longer. I was going to be leaving. And he wanted to know if I was going to work for another bank. said, <laughs> you know, hmm. I think I've put my time in. I, I don't think I'm going to be staying in banking. And he says, well, did one of our corporate clients lure you away? No, no, that, was, that wasn't that was it either. And he <laughs> says, well, Linda, what are you going to do? And I said, you know, before I even thought, I heard this come out of my mouth, and that was, I don't know what it is, but it has to be more purposeful.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: that started the journey.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that, um, well, I mean, I don't know if it's the same way for guys, Peter, so you're going to have to tell me, but... I'll give you a hand. I I'll represent
3: it... every man on the planet on this call, if that's okay with you, so go ahead. <laughs> do, you guys,
1: do you guys have the conundrum over life purpose that we do?
3: Uh, as long as we're not hungry, no.
1: No, okay. Yeah, I had a feeling it was a gender thing. Like, I know that for myself, you know, in my 30s, I, I hit this wall. I was working, 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 and I was in home business, and I was making okay money. I wanted to push it over the top. I wanted, really wanted to make enough money that not only was my money supporting me, that I could go ahead and start affecting change in the world and, and helping others, and um, and that requires a lot of money, and one of my real issues that I had was nothing. I was always saying that what I was doing, it wasn't about the money.
2: Mm. And for me,
1: it wasn't about the money, but somebody very wise said to me, you're sending out a conflicting message. In mm. order to feed hungry kids, you need money. So you, it is about the money. If you want mm. to make change happen on this planet, it is about the money. Mm-hmm. And so that was a really big shift for me. And so I started to function with looking for my life's purpose that came with money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so you know it's like home-based entre- home homepreneurs, I guess they're calling it now. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. know the the networking of it all, and and the creation of all of this wonderful stuff, and having it actually make money, and being able to do what you love, and have it, like, give you a great life and other people, I mean, that's just cool, so, like, going from the confines of, I'm allergic to institutions, Linda, and they (laughs) make me itch, I get hives, I need Benadryl, (laughs) I swear to you, if I didn't have to enter anything institutional ever, I'd be okay with it, I'd just stay in flip-flops, Peter knows, I even have an office that's outside inside, because I just, (laughs) I'm just like nature girl, so, you know, that must be a really freeing experience for you, yeah?
2: Um, well, yes and no, because uh, the only thing I had ever known was corporate. So the great mm-hmm. thing about being out on your own is that you can do absolutely anything you want to do. The scary thing is that you can do anything you absolutely. want to Absolutely anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's so overwhelming, isn't it? And everything is
1: limitless, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I never realized while I was in corporate um, that I was limiting myself by my job description. Now, I, mm. I always got the raises. I always got the promotions. I was always the first one picked, you know, that sort of thing. But I didn't realize that I limited myself just to what was, Really required of me. I didn't, I never stretched because there were boundaries. And mm-hmm. I have found so many talents that I have that I never knew I had and never knew I could even tap into them just by being pushed as an entrepreneur. Because I tell you, folks, being an entrepreneur is not for the faint at heart. <laughs> no,
1: definitely not. Definitely not. Have you ever read the book, The E-Myth Revisited? Oh, love it. Absolutely love and, it. And, you know, I think it's it's such imperative reading because so many people walk through life and they're a technician or they're a manager of people. Yep. You know, they either make the donuts or they tell someone else how to make the donuts and they think that they should own a donut shop. But, mm-hmm. um entrepreneurs have that we you know you you sweat bullets you got to figure out how you're going to not just pay your check but how everyone that's working for you is going to eat this week and and it's just an unbelievable um pressure kick some days but you know once you once you have it and once it's yours it's um I I've never been able to see myself going back to doing it the other way so I suppose mm-hmm. I suppose I like it. <laughs> you would be and, really uh,
3: bad. You would be really uh, bad as an employee. Going <laughs> top <and on>. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean,
1: I have <laughs> really worked bad. like I say, I have worked with other people in their projects, um, and mm-hmm. and you know for twelve fourteen years, I worked with someone who paid me. But I never saw myself as working for them as much as working with them, you know, mm-hmm. because I had ideas, and I would build and create things, and I would say, do you want to use this with your company? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't until most recently that I actually had, you know, had a function that I worked for, and, and I mean, 14 years later, it took for, 13 years for me to actually have a title where I worked for him um uh-huh. but it's a uh, i it really is permanently unemployable entrepreneurism and uh-huh. I, I love it i love what we do and so and i'm jealous because i'm i'm barreling through at like a snail's pace my first book and so uh-huh. um how did this book come through you i i want to hear the story of your book
2: yeah you know there there's always that story and a lot of times people create a book because they have a need themselves. Well, like I mentioned, I came out of corporate in 2004 and didn't know what the heck I was going to do. Uh, I was not one of those people that that was preparing a plan B while I was at plan A. It, it just never occurred to me. I just stopped cold turkey. And it took a while for me to figure it out, but everybody said, Linda, no matter what you do, You have to network. Now, guys, remember, I came from a big corporate background. And to me, network was when you called the geeky guys, and they came in and they fixed your network.
1: (laughs) That wasn't
2: what these folks were talking about. So I went to my first networking event, and it was a total disaster. I didn't know why I was there. didn't know what I was supposed to do the friend that invited me took off and she had targeted somebody in the corner and it was just a disaster and after about 15 minutes I left I got in the car and thought you know this networking thing doesn't work I don't I don't understand why everybody's so excited about this but I did come to the realization that if everybody said there was something to it I might want to check it out so the th- my my philosophy is if I want to learn something, I need to teach it because that's when you learn it to the nth degree. So I created a meetup group. I don't know, maybe you're familiar with meetup, meetup.com?
1: No, no, I haven't heard of them. Oh. Have you,
2: Peter? Nope, never heard of meetup. Oh, you should check that out. It's international. It's meetup, like you and I are going to meet, M-E-E-T, up.com. And that's where you can find people with similar interests. So if you like chihuahuas and you dress your <laughs> chihuahua up and you take your chihuahua to the dog park, then you can find people on Meetup that love their chihuahuas just as much. And you can take your dogs to the dog park and have a play date. So I created a Meetup group for women, business women. It was called Wine, Women, and Wealth. Wow, nice. And uh, I, I thought that the name had to be catchy for people to show up. So I had lunch at my house, and I had 30 women show up at my house that day for lunch. And that was 30 women I didn't know. So I realized <laughs> there was a need for it. That's pretty amazing.
1: So we are going to go ahead and have a quick commercial break, and then we're going to be right back. So everybody stay tuned for Linda Ballesteros right after this.
0: Do you run a home-based business? Are you looking under every rock for your next superstar diamond in the rough? Are you looking for leads in all the wrong places? Look no
1: more. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you know you need the right tools in place to run your online business effectively.
0: If you're brand new at your business and you are looking for top-notch training that will take you and your sales team to the next level?
1: For email marketing, autoresponders, lead management systems, and more, Network Leads is what you need to prospect, communicate, manage, and support your customers and sales organizations.
0: Just go to www.networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio and register for your free lead management system today. You've been listening to The Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles.
1: Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now... Back to the show. And welcome back to The Dash with our guest, Linda Ballesteros, author of Your Pot of Gold is a Handshake Away. If you want to check her out, head on over to lindaballesteros.com. That's www.lindaballesteros.com. And so, Peter. Peter's here. Peter's being quiet. Peter always has questions.
3: I always have questions. I'm just like listening. To, I'm just Linda listening to Linda, waiting for my next question, Linda. Uh, all right. So you were you were a banker in the banker mentality, which connected to entrepreneurs is as disconnected as they ever could be. So when I was an entrepreneur, like the first time I ever had a deal with a banker, I was a young gentleman. I had for I was living my dream. I was in direct sales. And I was 22 or 23 or 24 years old, and my dream was to be driving a Mercedes-Benz by the time I was 24. And I had no idea how I was going to get there, but for all those people that understand that you attract those things out, I wound up hiring a gal who says, you know, I'm really tight on money, and we sell cars at auctions. Cars at auctions? I said, yes. She says, I need to ride home. So I drove her home, and there's my Mercedes. Mm. My birthday is on July 9th. It's July Fourth or fifth or something like that, and I drive up and she's got the Mercedes that I want. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how like the universe conspired to make sure that I was going to interview and hire the gal that was going to give me the unbelievable price. I just didn't have that much cash. I figured, let me go see a banker. And I was a young kid and I was making money. And the guy said, no. And I said, what are you talking about? Now, he's not maybe a banker. He's a loan officer. So mm-hmm. the, he said, no. And I said, what are you talking about? No. He says, well, we've seen things like you guys before. You start making money and you spend it all and you have nothing left. I said, what does that have to do with me? I said, this is a wonderful car. I only need like $7,500 just to kind of help this gal out. And she's giving me a great deal. And a blue book on it probably around 20 It was an older one. It was a used one. But it was perfect for what I was looking for. So I, I had that disconnect between an entrepreneur, uh, the, the entrepreneur and me. Like, wait a minute, you're getting in the way of my goals. Like, you don't understand. I can pay this. You know, I could just sell a couple more, and I could do the stuff that I need to do as a direct sales manager to be able to get this. This is a piece of cake. And it just showed up on my desk, and you're standing in my way. And he says, no, we're not going to do it. So we went from the entrepreneurial. Like those guys have a different connection, as far as the bankers and the entrepreneurs. So it's different worlds, like you had mentioned before. Mm-hmm. As that entrepreneur, as that uh, as that banker, when you needed a pencil, you you went into the closet because that's where the guys put them. You know, you do your budgets or whatever, and there it is. Or you needed, a, like you said, you needed your computer fixed. You called the IT guy, and in a big corporation, there's an IT guy there. And then all of a sudden, now you make the decision that you did, which sounds kind of crazy to say, I'm done. (laughs) Like, that's it, I'm done.
2: And I Mm -hmm. applaud
3: that because most people never do that. They live their whole entire life by never doing that, and then you did it. So what are the differences between the, um, I'm an employee, and you're at the top of the food chain, and obviously someone like yourself probably have assistants working with you before, Mm -hmm. you had things that were there, stuff you didn't have to worry about because employees never have to worry about those things to now all of a sudden saying, wait a minute, who do I call to fix this computer? I'm all on my own. So what happened? Like, Talk to us about that cold shock that went mm-hmm. from, besides just leaving the security of a job, to now being in the wild, having tons of choices and the mental stuff that you went through. So talk to us about that.
2: Well, it is certainly overwhelming, and that's one of the reasons that I say that Um, being an entrepreneur is certainly not for the faint at heart because if you think you know everything about running a small business, um, back up and you need to attend some more webinars. You need to listen to more people. You need to interview more people because there's no possible way you could be prepared for stepping out on the ledge as an entrepreneur because just like you said, Pete, it you it, it is all it all revolves around you and your decisions. So it is critical that you talk to other entrepreneurs. It is critical that you read everything you can get your hands on because not only do we have to know our widget and stay in front of the curve for any changes in that particular industry. But you also have to know all about social media. You have to know about technology. You have to know how to market your business. You have to wear so many hats. Even if you do have employees, you still have to know what they're doing. So it's, it's really critical to know that you always have to be learning. But the most important thing for me that I tell people is if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you'd better do some personal development because when you leave the house every day you are going to be beat up all day long and when you come home you're going to be dragging into the house unless you've got a a shield of courage or a shield of confidence that you're taking with you as you step out there every day because it's it's really tough to be the only person in your company a home-based business
3: so when you when you first stepped out and that was around 2004 Right. Um, I remember around 2004, we had started a company, and they were talking about, oh, you're going to be able to write HTML email, like email that doesn't just look like text. I'm like, and they were trying to build a whole company around that. I'm like, you guys are idiots. The reality is, that you're trying to build a whole company around HTML email. Six months from now, everybody's grandmother's is going to be able to write HTML email. So what was the entrepreneurial like spasm that Michael Gerber talks about? That's out there like crazy. It's I think it's predominantly a guy thing. You know, because it's <laughs>
1: just mm-hmm. goofy in
3: general. Women are usually a little bit more, you know, grounded relative to the goofiness. But here you are, two thousand and four. The internet is just happening, which mm-hmm. means there was no school for it. I mean, you didn't, right. you couldn't go to school for something that hadn't been invented yet. Right. What mm-hmm. What was the uh, path uh, that you uh, followed? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it, it, it was a lot. Of it was um, just jump in there, and as you're talking to people that you're networking with, they're giving you advice, and then as it grows, you kind of go with them. Of course, social media and then uh, 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 internet marketing, online marketing wasn't my strength, but I had to get up to speed pretty quickly, and I started with. Uh, the Meetup.com. That was before I was even on. Before Facebook was ever was very popular, and everybody created their groups on Meetup. You would see Toastmasters groups. You would see BNI chapters. They would all uh, create a group on Meetup, and that's the way they communicated. That's the way you get your message out to your members about upcoming events. There would be a discussion board. And there again, that was before social media took off. So it was an an easier transition for me to go from meetup to social media because I already understood the concept. I'd been using it for a while.
3: So where did you make your first dollar? Like on your own, like before you used to cash a check, somebody else used to write it. This time you actually had to sell something, like that nasty word,
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Like, oh, my gosh, somebody actually had to do e-commerce or whatever. So where would you make your first dollar?
2: Mm -hmm. It was, like so many people, it was in the nutritional industry. Um, I, I came out, I was always interested in natural health, and so I became a certified natural health professional. And I had a small practice, but what I realized was at the end of the day, I still felt less than fulfilled because I wanted it more than they did. I wanted them to be healthy more than they wanted to give up their chicken fried steaks.
3: That makes sense. And then, so you, so then you went through the transition. So, you know, the mm-hmm. awakening, okay, first, uh, the, the first path we took is a good one. It kind of got me out of here. I'm ready for the transition mm-hmm. and then something else. So then what mm-hmm. did you transition to after that?
2: Well, um, that was about the time that I started Wine, Women, and Wealth. Okay. And uh, I put a lot of my energy into growing that because I love working with entrepreneurs. I loved being a part of that. I was really getting uh, the bug. And I grew that organization to 400 members in one year. So that took a lot of time because I... I had lunch and learns and we would have mixers and we um we did a lot of focus groups and masterminds. Uh we brought in speakers so it was it was a fabulous event and my husband who's a CPA he's the controller type, I mean a banker and a CPA. That's pretty cool. a yeah, one fun crowd, Yeah, one fun I crowd. I know. I know. We're wild. We're <laughs> truly wild. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we decided to, uh, to to come together and have a small business consulting practice. And it sounded like a perfect match. And that was about 2008, 2009, and we know what happened then. Uh, the economy took quite a nose dive. And most of the people that were entrepreneurs, or many of the people that were entrepreneurs out networking, it was because they had been laid off and even though Houston wasn't hit as hard as some of the other parts of the country it was still pretty hard and so we um decided that that probably wouldn't work quite so well um working with an entrepreneur is uh, as as their consultant is is um is rather tricky within itself especially when it's their baby uh it's tough sometimes for them to accept guidance, especially if it's a direction they haven't well, come they up always, with. Themselves. You know, your
3: ego is, I, I learned something a long time ago when it was pushed on me. He said The guy who told me this stuff said, you know, your ego is the best thing about you. It's also the worst thing about you. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of tough if people aren't coachable. You know, if somebody is just, you know, they're always right, they're always right because they're that one-sided mm-hmm. entrepreneur that's one thing It's really difficult to, to be able from an outsider, I'm sure, to look in. You kind of have to sure. deal with that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you started a business, you started like a separate consulting business with your husband. Mm-hmm. You started to do mm-hmm. the meetup stuff. You're mm-hmm. aggressive enough where you know I've always learned successful people are usually successful wherever they go because they bring their heads with them. Mm-hmm. Failures usually fail wherever they go because they bring their heads with them. So as mm-hmm. like, as somebody that was successful before, it wouldn't be surprising that you would have been successful anywhere you went. And then it's just a matter of finding your your path. And we usually go through several steps before we find, out. you know, we find out what we don't want mm-hmm. in the path of then figuring out what we do want. And so then all of a sudden, you found your niche. The business consulting—I could hear it in your voice. You got that real sparkle in your eye when it comes to being in front of people and helping them. Mm-hmm you know, all of those types of things, that consulting. Then you built your organization to about 400 members, which is really tough to go from zero to 100. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. 100 to 200 mm-hmm. is a little bit easy and you know, all that sort of stuff. And now what are you doing mostly? Where did you make the, the transition from that into, and I'm so sure you're still doing some of that stuff now, into the author, the speaker, the other stuff you're doing currently?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, about uh, two years ago, I merged the um, – uh the wine uh wine, women in wealth with a nationwide organization that gave them a lot more to to um benefit from. But and I ran that organization for them for about a year. So I was the Texas director for that organization for about a year. And then I took a year off to write the book. And um I, I, I tell you, Dawn, it is it it is a slow process sometimes you know it, mm-hmm. it it takes time it really does it takes time and there's the revisions and there is the graphics and there's everything else that goes with it but i launched the book last uh october and i am doing speaking and speaking in front of groups and and now i'm getting i'm get, getting more of the paid speaking engagements and it's interesting because uh, and I'm not saying anything different that I haven't said for the last two years, but the book certainly makes a difference. And I also have a radio show. I've had it for two years now, and that is another way that I absolutely love connecting with people. That's the way I network is with my radio show.
1: Excellent.
2: Absolutely.
1: And, um, you know, the radio radio is such a wonderful platform, and uh, it gives you so much access and reach, and you get to meet so many great people that... Uh, I'm sure we've seen the book and the radio show. It's really helped your speaking career. So it's all symbiotic, really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
3: And I know we're going to take a break in a little bit, but I, when I was reading on your website the word referrals, and that stands out a lot, and I love what you teach on referrals so far. So on the other side, maybe we can start to bridge the gap and talk about the power and the great things that happen when you really focus on referrals. Absolutely. So if, so if Axel's spinning records, Axel, go spin some records.
0: Savage Smokes is a new site on the scene dedicated to the trending electronic cigarette industry. If you are looking into e-cigs as an alternative to tobacco and have been disappointed by the ones you picked up at the gas station or you kept your money in your pocket because you didn't know which one to buy, head to SavageSmokes.com for honest and up-to-date electronic cigarette reviews on most e-cigs you see on the shelves. You've been listening to The Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles.
1: Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now, back to the show. And we are back with the Dash and Linda Ballesteros. And, Peter, you said we're coming right back to talk about...
3: Referrals. (laughs) I, 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 as a direct salesman, Linda, you may not know a lot about my background. So my background was in direct sales. I broke my mom's heart by not being a medical doctor and started selling vacuums for a company called Electrolux. And they hooked me into the management training program, and I really decided that i was going to do that and i made a lot of money relative to my age when i was younger and i said you know where else am i going to go and make this kind of money so i stuck with that company and kind of climbed the corporate ladder but i was always involved in the direct selling aspect of it and i knew that there was never going to be a lot of people lining up for vacuum cleaners like a bakery on a sunday so we had to go get them so for all those people that are interested in the definition my definition of retail versus direct sales Retails, when they come to you, directs when you go to them. And we went out in the environment. So I was in the Midwest when I got promoted, and it gets cold (laughs) in the Midwest. So I learned referrals for survival purposes. So I'll just kind of playfully say I learned that if if you've sold yourself and the customer likes you, you can say just about anything, as long as it's not mean. And also if the customer likes you and you have fun, that made it that much easier. So in the Midwest, when it was like minus 17 and the wind would be blowing, and I would, I would actually say, "Hey, lady, come here," and she'd say, "What?" And I was in her house, right. So, "Hey, lady, come here. Peek out that window. You see how heavy it's snowing out there?" And she'd say, "Yeah." I'd say, "I'm done with your presentation. Either bought or you didn't. Doesn't matter. But I don't want to go out there. So unless you get me into somebody else's home, I ain't leaving because it's cold out there." <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she would say, you're
3: kidding me. I'm like, no. And drama helps. Acting helps. So I'd say, no, I'd kick off my shoes if they weren't kicked off already. I'd li- sit on the lazy boy chair. I'd grab that newspaper. So I ain't going nowhere until you get me into somebody else's house. So I, we playfully learned the power of referrals. Because what would happen would be she'd say, hey, Marge, you know, i got this crazy guy over here sitting in to shampoo a carpet. He's not leaving my house until he comes over there. He's a nice guy. They have nice equipment. Can he come over? Because I didn't want to go out in minus 17-degree weather, you know, especially <laughs> if it was dark out or was whatever. So we learned to leverage. If we weren't leveraging everything we did with referrals, we weren't taking advantage of it. Now, because it was so hard to get in people's homes, you had to catch them at home, catch them at the right time, all this other sort of stuff. We preached referrals, so when I saw that on your website, I'm like, "Oh my gosh! I can't believe somebody really preaches referrals as much as you do." So, mm-hmm. Can, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people over here that didn't have to like learn referrals for survival purposes, like I had to teach my guys.
0: Mm-hmm. We were
3: we were going to be successful in direct proportion to how many times we showed the product. And how many times we showed the product was in direct proportion to how many people we asked to see the product. And that's what I taught. Like, that was my church, if you will, from school. So talk to us about referrals and how you've used referrals and why you teach so much as you do with referrals.
2: Absolutely. You know, um, Pete, the referrals are actually relationship-based transactions. You know, Mm -hmm. they're relationship-based sales. What I tell people is when you go networking, there's two different kind of people. There's those with the transaction mind, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And then there's the person that is more relationship-based that wants to get to know you. When I go out networking, I am not looking to make a sale, not, not one sale. I'm looking for referral partners. Why would I sell you my product when I could, you and I could be referral partners and you could tell everybody you know about my product and eventually become my customer. I don't want you as my customer. I want you as my referral partner. And if more and more people could walk in to a networking group and see that this is a room of possible referral partners, I don't take on everyone that approaches me as a referral partner because... If I'm sharing my clients with you, I need to know, what are your business business ethics? How do you talk about your clients? Because if you don't treat your customers with respect, and if I refer one of my customers that I've worked really hard to get, if I refer my customer to you and you treat them poorly, I have a chance of losing that customer myself. So a referral partner is sort of like looking for um, your soulmate. You know, when you're out dating in the networking world and you're dating and you just get to know each other, you don't immediately decide that you want to get married. You have to, you have to understand that person, understand what their, what their vision is for their business, understand um, how they actually manage problems. Because that's when it's more of a marriage is when you know each other that well that you can talk about each other's business, but you can also feel really comfortable that in a tough situation, the other person would handle it well.
3: So how would you nurture that referral relationship? Mm -hmm. Um, Because here's what, you know, I have different kinds of people that work with me. I have one, one gentleman, his name is Steve. He's in Las Vegas, and everybody who knows Steve in Las Vegas knows already who I'm talking about. So I don't have to mention his last name. But his his idea of referral marketing is if I have a resource, now it's his. Like, mm. wait a minute, Steve. It's my resource. I'm not doing this for you for free. Like we might do website hosting. Hey, Peter, can you host a website for me? And i got a whole bunch of business. He's going to scheme a whole business about me hosting all these websites for him for free. Um, or if we're doing a radio show, it's like, oh, I gotta get this host on your radio show, or stuff like that. So, Steve, no, wait, wait, wait. My resources are my resources, Steve.
2: Mm-hmm. Just because
3: I like you and I tolerate you and I do all that other sort of stuff, doesn't necessarily mean that my resources are your resources. Mm-hmm. So he missells. He totally blows it, or he finds enough people that are just weak enough to bend, and probably a success mechanism for him. But is there a right way to develop those resources or, or and relationships? and a wrong way? Mm
2: -hmm. Well, there again, if you compare it to dating, to finding your mate, then you're going to take time to make sure that you understand that person. What I tell people is if you find someone that you think might be a good referral partner because you have similar target market and you are providing equally um, valuable products or services to someone who could use the other person's products and service. I'd say for the first, at least first meeting, maybe even those first two meetings, don't talk a lot about the business. Don't talk a lot about the business. You know what the business is. You know that they're in insurance. You know that they're a web designer. You know what that looks like, but you want to get to know them is, is it time-consuming? Yeah, it, it does take some time. But when you do find that person, that's when you find your pot of gold. That's when you hit the jackpot. It's when two people come together and they they make incredible business partners together. It, it, that It's the beautiful thing. It's almost like magic dust.
3: Now, I guess women are naturally more inclined towards the relationship thing. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference between maybe the people that you might coach that might be women versus the ones that you might coach that might be men or act like men? Because sometimes mm-hmm. the women act like the men in relationship Absolutely. to the bottom line. So so what do you do as far as, like, is there a way to identify that stuff or is there a better or, or worse way to do it? Help me with the concept of, re, of developing that relationship. Like, maybe use a real some real examples, if you will, of maybe some stuff that might have helped you out before as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I tell you, a perfect example is, um, like I said, my husband is a CPA, and he's a great CPA. You give him an Excel spreadsheet, and he is in heaven. He loves it. <laughs> so he he it, it, it's taking him a while to soften up and really understand what I do in this whole entrepreneurial thing. But I had met a guy um, probably six years ago when I first started networking, and the guy was in Dish Network. He came out when we moved and put a dish in, and um, I didn't hear from him for a while. Bumped into him around the holidays uh, about three years ago. He didn't have a place to go for the holidays, and so my doors always open for orphans around the holidays. And at that time, he started talking to my husband and said, you know, I've got a friend who's got a startup company and they need a CFO. Well, that's the kind of CPA my husband is. So, to make a long story short, that company, that that referral is going to be our retirement. Wow. It was that big. So you can't discount Anyone that walks in front of you, and as long as you're respectful and as long as you stay in touch with them in a way that doesn't sound like you're selling your your latest widget and you're concerned about them. This guy was always kind of a quirky guy, but I was always respectful of him when we would network, and um, others thought he was a little goofy. Well, he was a little goofy, but you just never know where where those connections are going to be made. So never discount the person that's in front of you. And that's why I came up with the title of my book, Your Pot of Gold is a Handshake Away, because it's that person standing in front of you that may be holding the key to your pot of gold.
3: So that's an interesting concept, treat everyone with respect. Keep your brain screwed on for common sense because there are some people that are dangerous, goofy, or just goofy, mm-hmm. goofy, like really goofy, goofy. Right. And then sometimes the best relationships you'll ever develop might come in indirect ways. They don't That's always definitely. follow a straight path. Mm-hmm. And for you, you, re- were, you were rewarded by being nice to another human being and through those center of influences that he had, or the deep roots, or the Mm -hmm. just weird coincidences that sometimes Mm -hmm. happen, because you were the right person, you made yourself available to that. Mm -hmm. Now, that stuff happens all the time Mm -hmm. to entrepreneurs like yourself. I mean, I don't know about an everyday occurrence, but when you're doing the right things constantly, you can kind of go out there and just say, come on, like, shake 'em, bake 'em, Like, you know, put some entrepreneurs in a paper bag, shake us up like matches and matchsticks, we're going to light something up. And that's that entrepreneurial faith that usually doesn't exist in too many bankers or CPAs. Right. Like, your husband probably would have never found that guy if it wasn't, because that's the way CPAs think. Mm-hmm. Straight line, Excel spreadsheet, you know, push a button, where's the formula? But as an entrepreneur, you made that stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't – here's the funny thing. I've learned that you can't force it. It's not like something you just can work. It's not a scientific equation. But if you're doing the right things long enough consistently, those things happen.
1: Right. Some of
3: some of my best people came from some of my worst people. <laughs> and you figure that out like you can't really put that in a book you kind of have to live your life and then kind of work it so so okay so we we talk about referrals talk about the book why did you pick yourself why did you pick the word handshake and in an environment where everything has to be written down on a contract otherwise it doesn't count why would you have chosen the word handshake for a title of a book
2: well because i do so much networking And there is so many, um, um, that's what you do all night long, all day long, is you're shaking people's hands. And many people, I've, I've watched them, and they go through a networking event almost like a zombie because they're just shaking hands, going from one person to the next, to the next, to the next, never really connecting. So my thought was if you would just stop for a moment and pay attention to the person whose hand you're shaking, then there could be a connection there, and that connection could be your pot of gold. In fact, um, I I challenge many of the people that I coach and uh, to keep them from going through the evening just shaking hands and exchanging business cards all night long, uh, I, I challenge them to only take three business cards into a networking event. So if they're going to a big chamber event or going to a big city-wide event, only take three business cards. And I usually get this really weird look from the person. Three business cards? thats Why would I do that? Well, for one, you're going to be pretty selective with who you hand those business cards to. And you want to make sure that there's a good connection there. And two... How many people can you follow up with? If you collect 20 business cards at three events each week, how can you follow up with that many people and do it effectively? Well, the answer is you can't. And I'm always asked, well, what happens when I give that third business card away? What do I do then? You know, I don't have anything else. I don't have any other cards to hand out. And it's real simple, and this is the hardest thing for people to get. It's real simple. Go home. Give out your three business cards, make three good connections, and go home. What you'll find is that the, invest, the time you invest in networking will be much less and the, 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 the results will be much, much better.
3: So it's focused and follow-up.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, address if you... Uh, w- uh, oh, shoot, we're almost time for our... Gonna, I'm going to talk about a couple of things on the, on the other side of the break. So Alex is going to, or Axel is going to spin some records, and then we'll come back and talk about more stuff. Are you in a rut about your taxes?
0: No more with this simple template. Your business deserves the best, and so do you. Try our simple bookkeeping formula. You'll look organized, find your receipts, and you might even get a write off. One thing is for sure, you'll thank us. Visit bit.ly forward slash the Dash Taxes. That's bit.ly forward slash D A S H Taxes. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles.
1: Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do first, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience and like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now, back to the show. And we are back for the last 15 minutes of today's Dash Radio Show with... Our wonderful guest, Miss Linda Ballesteros. and I'm just going to let you guys roll because you guys are on a roll right now. I'm okay. just feeling like the fly on the wall, Peter. <laughs> okay,
3: okay. <laughs> well, I okay. So here we go. So we're going to t- we, when, we do, <laughs> when we do the radio show on the dash, um, the reason why we call it that, Linda, is because you know you start off the date of birth, and then you're we'll use the Michael Gerber word if you remember your crap out date is like whenever <laughs> you're done.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and,
3: and for all those people that aren't familiar with Michael Gerber, he's very well known for being a business consultant. We read a really cool book called The E-Myth and The E-Myth Revisit. It's really great if you're an entrepreneur. You've got to kind of have to read that book or listen to the audios. You'll find them on YouTube. Lots of people, I'm sure, have stolen his copyrighted material. Anybody can find anything about Michael Gerber if you want. But the reality is is that he has a, great, a couple of great things. But what I've learned about being that entrepreneur, maybe because of my sales background, that sales were going to be really important for me to learn you had to figure out how to sell your services. For the very first time, you had to actually say, pay me for speaking. That's kind of like uh, uncharted water for a lot of people, you know, because you had to figure out a price. You had to figure out how to ask. You had to figure out how they send you the money, all those types of things. So can you share with us about, I have three things that I want to talk about in this last segment. The power of learning sales, if you believe that. The power of persistence. And then um, the entrepreneurial spirit, give us the rah rah shishkum ba. Come on, you guys can do it if you really want to, because some people are sitting on the fence listening to us as if it's like a third party call. It's like, oh, that's the things that Peter does, or Don does, or Linda does, and other people do, but they have it in them, but they're not doing it themselves. So again, sales persistence, and then give us our rah rah speech.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Well, what, what I learned is I absolutely hated sales. I wasn't any good at it. I couldn't ask for the gig. I couldn't ask for the money. I had no idea how to do that. It didn't feel good. However, when I learned how to build relationships, that happened by itself. The sale happened by itself. I had people coming to me. When I was in a direct sales company, I had people that were selling the same product in the same company drop out of their line and sign up underneath me because they wanted to be on my team. So sales was not natural for me, but nurturing, teaching, and building relationships, that came really easy for me. I got that down pat. So you
3: wound up making a lot of sales by building so much value, people felt comfortable buying whatever it is that you were selling, even though you weren't selling in a direct sales fashion like, you know, (laughs) my background Hmm. was in direct sales. So, you know, you got to stand on the oxygen line until they turn a pretty color blue. You're not that kind
2: of person. Uh, I can't do that. I just can't do that because I I want to give everybody actually, and I'd probably take it off of myself and give it to them. So you
3: can succeed anyway. I hear you. <laughs> so, all right. Now, what about mm-hmm. Persistence?
2: Mm-hmm. persistence? You know, one of the things I talk about in my book is consistency, which is in a way, you know, sort of like a, a cousin of persistence. And what if if you are consistent? and persistent as a business owner, then that's sort of like a comfort food to your clients because they know that you're always going to be there. They know that you're always going to um, provide them with the greatest product. They always know that uh, when they call you, then they know what to expect. So it's always good to leave your customers feeling like they just had macaroni and cheese they 're comfortable, they really like you uh, that 's where the referrals come from, because when they like you they 're going to tell your their friends, their cousins their you know in laws even though they don 't like them they still want them to do business with you because they like you that 's important
3: now how about um the last topic, which was the rah-rah speech for those people that are probably listening in. We have a lot of people that are listening to us that are already kind of like in the mix and they're kind of doing their things and they're chasing their dreams and they're working on their dash, you yeah. know, the stuff in between. And then we have some people that are kind of like the fence sitters. They're the ones that, again, they're thinking like that third party, they're talking about other, but these are the things that other people will do. Or, you know, I'm just a little bit afraid. Can you help? Those, can you address some stuff with those people relative to, come on, man, if you got it in, you can probably do it even if you don't have all the answers right away.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, what, I, what I'll do is just talk about my experience. And like I said, I'd been in banking for 30 plus years, and I never realized how much that stifled my talents. that stifled my passion, that stifled my life's purpose. Now, folks, if you're in corporate, please don't send me any hate mail because I love corporate. There's a place for everyone. But I had re- come to the point that everything that I was meant to do was not being tapped into at, in my corporate position. So if there is something that you really love to do, and maybe it's making cookies, maybe it is uh, cutting grass, it doesn't mean that you can't have a great business by doing something that you really love to do. So don't do like I did. Don't jump out without a plan. Um, I I would suggest doing all of the research that you you can in that industry and talk to people that are already in it. And um, I I believe that if it's your life purpose, that's going to fan the flicker fan the flame in your in your gut and you're not going to be happy until you do it.
3: Now if people wanted to reach out to you because you have a definite and distinct, very relaxing, comfortable style, how would they find you?
2: hmm Thanks, I appreciate that. No. Uh, you can find out lots of information about me, probably more than you even want to know, by going to my website and that's com. and let me spell that for you. That's Linda B-A-L-L-E-S-T-E-R-O-S. There's information about me being a speaker. There's my radio show. I've got two blogs. One is Golden Nuggets, and that has some business tips for you. And Powerful Voice to Grow is my personal development blog.
3: Perfect. Okay, so again, I'm just going to, for anybody that's grabbing some pens and paper, it's Linda, like your first name, L-I-N-D-A, D A L L E S T E R O S dot com. And when you go there you'll be able to see the different things and like I said, I love the uh the stuff that you had as far as the stuff relative to referrals. So talk to us about the economy. Uh you know, I I, I know Houston is maybe a little bit different from where I am in Florida. In Arkansas, I don't think they have one. Like really, I don't think they have one. I was around Dawn's place. I just I just didn't think they they did. Right? I mean, Tom. like you drive and you see fields and you see a cow and a deer that her son John hasn't shot yet and then other stuff like that. I'm like, well, where's the economy? Like, what happens over here? And then mm-hmm. we know they have faulty crude pipes, you know, because they're all bursting right now around Arkansas. But, you know, I know, like, for instance, if I lived in Arkansas in those little towns, unless you make it on your own, it ain't happening. You're almost destined to be that lifestyle And uh Florida, where I am, there's a lot of older people. It's still what somewhat depressed. They say the economy ended in two thousand and nine. Nobody told Florida because we're still <laughs> we're still in a situation where it's kind of scary and there's not a lot of opportunity for those people that are gonna think the opportunity is gonna knock on their door. Houston, like you said, maybe a little bit different that you know Texas itself I don't think was hit as hard it maybe a little bit more diverse, a little different thing, but for the country. I really don't think we're out of a recession yet. Mm -hmm. So for all those people, you know, talk to us about what your spin is on, the direction we're going, what people might be able to do to be able to take more control of their thing. And if there was ever a time to be an entrepreneur, now is probably the time to do it.
2: Now is certainly the time to do it. And the wonderful thing about this, Pete, is that with the Internet, it doesn't make any difference whether you're in the backwoods of Arkansas or in downtown Houston, you can have a thriving business and not even have any clients in your area. It is absolutely phenomenal. This is some of the best times that I have ever seen in an entrepreneurial business um, i I talk to people you know this with the radio show. It opens up doors around the world. I have a client in the u k because of my radio show. They were they were guests on my radio show and became a client. Uh, I've interviewed people in Australia, and in Panama. He, helped, he owned his own island in, off of Panama. And it doesn't matter anymore. I want to read you a quote. In my book, I have quotes and then I have follow-ups to that. And I give you action items. This quote is a Napoleon Hill quote. It says, both poverty and riches. Are the offspring of thought So where do you take your thought If it's in poverty You're going to have poverty If it's in riches Then all of those things Opportunities are going to cross your path And you will see riches I promise you
3: Thank you I love Napoleon Hill One of my first books I was ever given Was Think and Grow Rich I have read it a bazillion times Gave away tons of different versions I love Napoleon Hill Um, Mm -hmm. Let's finish up with our home-based business evangelist approach. Most of the guests that we have don't necessarily have traditional offices. They get a chance mm-hmm. to work wherever they want to, and sometimes that's from home. It could be when you're working on the road because of the Internet. But how about yourself? Do you, where do you do most of your
2: work? I do most of my work in my office upstairs. And I absolutely love it that way. Unless I'm visiting my daughter in the PAC Northwest and I do, the, I do my work on her patio. So the great thing, again, about the Internet is it, it's not restricting. I can take my business and I can run it out of any office. In, the radio show is the same way. It, it, it doesn't stop. I'm able to continue to do business wherever I am. There's no need to have an office because most of my clients are online.
3: So for the first time in human existence, people can compete on a global level wherever Mm -hmm. they want to on more or less their terms. They're only limited by their own levels of creativity.
2: Absolutely.
3: You prove that every day. Could you ever go back? We're in 2003. 2003 you're 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 at that point where you're going to be speaking to the boss whose biggest concerns are, you know, how are you going to rip off the company that you were working for and loyal to for 30 years. Like you going to the competitor or whatever. You're in 2003, 2004. I don't, you know, you can't replay your life backwards like that, but could you ever go back?
2: It you know, the only difference that I would have I would have made any changes I would have made is I would have done it 10 years sooner. What an there answer. There you have it.
3: What an answer. Excellent.
2: The well, for those,
1: answer.
3: People, yep, for those people listening, I know we're going to end soon, but I just want to make sure that we read off her um, uh, domain name again. Oh, actually, what you can probably do is go to the Dash Radio. Go to the Dash Radio.com. We'll have a post up there. Dawn always does really great stuff. Linda, thanks for being our guest. Dawn, I'll let you wrap it up.
1: And Thank that was so it. com and we will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great one. Thanks, Linda. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. At The Dash, we know that your time is precious, and your choosing to spend it with us means a lot.
1: To get reminders for our live shows, click follow on the top of any show.
0: Also, subscribe to our blog for articles, inspirations, and great products and services for your ever-growing business at thedashradio.com.
1: For our upcoming mobile experience, text Dash to 37404 and don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio.
0: Again, thanks for spending some of your Dash with us. We look forward to talking with you again soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book
0: club.